Amen. If you have your copy of God's Word, and I trust that you do, go ahead and open the book of Galatians chapter 4. book of Galatians chapter 4. It is good to be back in North Winona Baptist Church. I, uh, leaving New Albany this morning, uh, driving down and had a couple hours on the road, and so all of a sudden your mind just begins to uh, flood back to memories and thoughts of uh, just different things that have happened, and so I began thinking about our, our time here in Winona, and, and with all sincerity of heart, it was sweet, and it was a lot of fun, and I'm thankful for you as, as a church that uh, allowed me uh, for, for a little while uh, to be a part of this church family. It was a, really was, a lot of fun. Ed McDaniel uh, was my pastor, and I got to learn a lot uh, from Brother Ed, some that I uh, still remember and some that I'm trying to forget. And uh, <laughs> very, very sweet, very, very fun. Um, I, I remember that we started the building project here uh, I was just telling the man back in the back that I, I don't remember so much of the office area. I think that was sort of the last thing, but the uh, Family Life Center up top of the hill, I remember completing that and being a part of the students. Well, I think we painted the room all sorts of different colors, and we wrote on the, the walls and all sorts of things that have happened there. Those were very, very sweet. Uh, I remember uh, that on Sunday nights, I got to be part. Stephen Walker, who was uh, serving as a ministry of students at First Baptist at the time, he and I uh, did a radio show on Sunday evenings uh, from 8 to 10, based on Psalm 661. Does anybody still remember the name of it? The Noise. Somebody paid attention. Absolutely. Uh, I was half of the Noise Boys, and we had a great time. It was a lot of fun, and uh, that was sweet. But that's not the most I remember. The, the thing that it sticks out the most vivid in my mind of North Winona Baptist Church was the day that I was coming in view of a call. And Mike Armstrong was the uh, uh, student pastor search chairman at that moment, and, and our goal was to come and come sit right in over here in this area. And at the last moment, Mike decided, you know what, we're coming to, to, to be the ministry of students. We probably need to sit with the students. And so at the last moment, he sort of made a, a change, and we came right down this aisle right here. And we already kind of felt like everybody was already looking at us and, and kind of gawking at us, like, who's that guy, and, and what is he doing here, and, and is he worthy or whatever. And so, you know, it's kind of dog and pony show and just trying to wave and play it cool and all that sort of fun stuff. And so we come around this corner right here, and we're about to get over here to these students, and, and I'm so thankful to see the students sitting here. And I'm just kind of looking at the students, and, like, I'm fixing to engage in the students and this is going to be a great, great moment. And then I tripped over the prayer branch that was right down front. So I believe me, when I came in, I looked for this prayer branch right here. And uh, I think that I have found it and uh, grateful, uh, grateful to make sure that I try to work my way around it. It's good to see you. It really is. And it's good to be back. Uh, Tim mentioned just a few moments ago, I'm sort of in between churches for the last seven years. I've uh, been pastoring uh, Hillcrest Baptist Church in New Albany, Mississippi. have loved that church. That church, for some reason, loved us. And um, had a very, very sweet, sweet ministry in New Albany. Uh, and now, in the last several months, God's been doing a work, and uh, we are in between churches. Next Sunday, I will begin as uh, senior pastor of Longview 
uh, Heights Baptist Church in the South Haven Olive Branch area. So if you have any family in that area, tell them to come and uh, to worship with us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I again, it's thankful to stand behind this pulpit and to, to, to look out on some of these people that have been extremely influential in my life that uh, really took a chance on a young whippersnapper had no idea what he was doing. And then to help guide and to help shape and how many of these are still, even to this day, all these years ago, continue to maintain a friendship. So, Father, thank you for the sweet memories that we have. Thank you for the great opportunity. Father, thank you for what you did in my life through this church. And God, I pray that the truth that I learned about ministry and about people and about uh, pastoring in this sweet place, well, Father, will continue to go with me all the days of my life. And we'll pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people this morning said, I stand before you here this last Sunday of November, the last several weeks 2018, if we can wrap our mind around that, and I stand before you with all, again, sincerity and humility to tell you that I've seen heaven. Matter of fact, I've seen heaven twice. I'm not talking about this outer body experience and this sort of a mystical mayhem, if you will, but I have seen heaven through what I am convinced is at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ, through adoption. Let me tell you a little bit of our story, and some of you have uh, followed along with us through Facebook, and you've been able to kind of keep up with what God's done uh, in our lives. When we were here, I was dating this beautiful, big, blue-eyed, brown-haired girl, and uh, luckily, I got her to marry me, so I'm thankful for that. We married in August of 2004. Y'all, many of you may remember Leanne. It would come 15 years of she could. 2004, Leanne and I got married. This coming August, we'll celebrate 15 years of marriage. And it hasn't all been bliss, and it hasn't all been easy. For after about a few years of marriage, Leanne and I did what we thought anyone would do or what we thought anybody in our situation would do. It was time for us to, to now do the societal pressures of, of having a family, right? We were getting all those questions from our church. I was pastoring Spring Creek Baptist Church in Neshoba County at the time. We are getting that from the church. We are getting that from our family. And we just decided, okay, this is the next step in our married life. It is a, sort of the blueprint that we've seen before us. And so we began uh, seeking to have a family. And after a year of infertility... After a year of continuing to get those negatives, after a year of wondering, God, what are you doing? God, why are you punishing us? God, why isn't this happening? And we began to look and began to pray through, okay, God, what's for us? We go through and pray through many different options and, and actually attend a few of different options still to have negatives, to have uh, miscarriages, to have all these things happen that continue to come up before us. This is not working. 2012, I approached Leanne about the topic and consideration of adoption. 
For I was ready for adoption. Leanne wasn't quite there just yet, but uh, after some more trial and error and things that continue to have the negatives, if you will, and continuing to, to sink further and further into depression, to sink further and further into just anger with God. God, what are you doing? Why is this happening? Why won't you do something? What have we done to uh, be punished? Lord, I'm a preacher. Surely you should uh, show a little more favor and a little more grace to me and to others. Continuing to have negative, negative, and negative. And watch my wife at the moment slip further and further into depression. And here I am trying to lead a church. Here I am trying to, uh, to keep it all together. Here I am trying to lead my own wife. And here I am trying to figure out what in the world was going on. 2012, again, as I mentioned to you, we began looking through adoption, and at that moment, uh, the, the goal was for us to adopt through Russia. Now, there are a couple reasons that we chose Russia. Number one, Russia gave us the greatest probability of twins and or young siblings. You're already going to go over there. It's already have all the expenses that is involved in there. Uh, as Liam would say, why not get bang for your buck, so to speak. So that gave us the greatest probability of twins or young siblings. The second reason, and probably the most important reason, was Leanne would tell you that it's really a long way away. And uh, if the children ever decided at some moment that they wanted to go home, they would have to really want to go home, if you know what I mean. We were matched with two boys in Russia. I flew over in August of 2014 uh, to Vladivostok, Russia, to spend this week with these two boys, a little four-year-old named Valera and a two-year-old uh, named Roma. They were our children. We tell them and we visit with them and we tell them, Mama, Papa, we're coming back. Mama, Papa, coming back. Uh, we find out Christmas Day, 2014, that uh, and we've been hearing the rumblings. But we find out, 2000, uh, excuse me, December 25th, 2014, that Russia has placed a ban and not going to allow any Americans now to adopt Russian kids. And so here we are on Christmas Day, this day that we're supposed to be celebrating, this day that's supposed to be a, a happy day, this day of, of family and festivity, uh, again, because of the promises that we've seen here through God's word and the promises that God has given to us, and we're not even sure if we want to follow God anymore. God, Why? Do you continue to punish us? God, why do you continue to, to have this despair on us? Well, when you're going through infertility, and when you're going through miscarriages, when everything's negative, uh, Mother's Day is the worst day of the year. And I'd already told Leanne, we'd already gotten to that point where baby showers and Mother's Day, these were triggers for her, and she already knew that she didn't have to uh, attend any of these, but... Mother's Day 2015, we were both at our wits' end. So that next Monday, I, I end up calling a, uh, a guy who was, his name's Tom Veely, director of New Beginnings Child Adoption Services in Tupelo. And I say, Tom, listen, I need to meet with you today because I, I don't know what's happening. I feel like we're about to jump off this emotional cliff, and, and I just need someone to talk with. So Tom and his wife, Debbie, meet with Leanne and I in Tupelo for about two hours and really just talk us all this emotional cliff. And then Tom has the audacity to say, let me put you on my domestic list. Well, we had no desire to do domestic adoptions. Number one, uh, at that moment, we didn't have the emotional energy to go through this again. We didn't have the emotional stamina to, to go through what we felt would be another failed opportunity as a family. 
Number two, we had, as Leanne would tell you, we've seen too many uh, lifetime movies, you know, of, of things that haven't heard too many horror stories, and they were able to quickly answer some of those. So we reluctantly, we said, we'll give it a shot, not really anticipating that there would be any hope that is there. The next day, we met with a social worker. Her name is Tricia, and Tricia uh, got to know us, got to know our story, and she said, look, uh, this coming Thursday, this was on a Tuesday, on a Thursday, I'm supposed to meet with this birth mom, but listen, God, I can't make you guys any promises. Y'all are kind of at the bottom of the list. Y'all just got on the list, uh, and we knew that. We knew that. We just kind of left our book, which is sort of a photo album of who we are. That Thursday, this young mother-to-be named Nicole walked into that agency. She was met with love by Tricia and others that are around there. She decided to choose life. And so they got in, they kind of walked through the process of what it would look like to, uh, to, to place her child for adoption. She had one criteria at the moment, uh, two a little bit later, but one from the very get-go is she wanted to place her son, her soon-to-be-born son, with a family that didn't have any children. And so now, we're at the bottom of the list, we've kind of moved to a whole other grouping, if you will. But still, I mean, chances are slim, right? And she's kind of going through all of the different uh, pictures and all the different photo albums. And again, uh, the birth mother uh, can make any sort of decision on why she chooses this family. It could be just because of, uh, of hair color. It could be because of race. It could be because of any number of things. And she's going through hours, and, and it's my beautiful wife. And you can imagine, I want to put her on the front. I want to be in the back. And so she's up there doing all of the, the fun stuff. She is the photogenic one. Nicole looks at Tricia on this Thursday afternoon, and she says, hey, is he tall? He kind of looks tall. And Tricia said, yeah, I just met him past Tuesday. He, he's really tall. She said, well, that's, that's kind of neat. My dad is 6'6", and I, I grew up with a, a tall dad. I think it would be cool for my son to have a tall father. She left there thinking about us. A couple days later, she chose us to be the adopted parents of her son. June the 18th, less than a month, since we met with Tom Veely, this beautiful, sandy, blonde-haired boy was born in Tupelo Hospital. I regret I didn't bring any pictures. I should have. I can show you many, many after service if you'd like. And we go into that room, and, and sort of the plan was is that she was going to, to hand us him. She was going to give birth. The family was going to uh, to look over, and they were going to kind of have a family moment, and then she would hand us her only son. At this moment, I'm, uh, I'm nervous because, again, we've gotten to this point, and I don't, I'm cautiously optimistic, if you can imagine, because there's been so much hurt, there's been so much pain, really just kind of protecting ourselves. Social worker comes in and says, okay, she's ready. We walk into this this room, delivery room, if you will, in Chupelo Women's Hospital. And there's Nicole. Her family's all kind of sitting on the side, weeping. Leanne and I walk in, we're weeping. And there's this beautiful boy that she's holding. And she looks up at us and she begins to kind of motion and, and hand him. And Leanne froze. And so again, she, she looked down at him, she looked at us, and she kind of handed him. And Leanne reached down and grabbed him. 
We began to look with her, look at him, and, and just burst out with all sorts of emotions. They asked me to pray. I, that was the weirdest time to ask me to pray. I don't know how many words came out, and we walked out with who is now my five-year-old son, Harrison Hill Lewis. He is my mini-me. He acts just like I do. He, uh, unfortunately, as to many, to Leanne's detriment, acts just like I do. So Harrison is five. Uh, Jack Whitten uh, is our three-year-old. He was born in Columbus, and Leanne got to be in the delivery room uh, when he was born, and they did the skin-on-skin contact with her. Then, then, Leanne and I just decided uh, in, in the summer, or really after Harrison's birthday in 2017, we were just going to get away, just for just an adult little get, getaway. We just needed some time together. So my parents were going to keep Harrison and Jack Whitten, and we're in Florence, Alabama, just kind of having some adult time, enjoying some adult time. And we get a text from the social worker in Tupelo that said, and we know her very well, her name is Christy Whitley, and Christy said, look, got a, got a unique situation here. Uh, we had a birth mother come in that had just given birth to this little girl, and she doesn't want to go through an adoption agency. Matter of fact, she just really wants to, uh, to kind of get this process over. Hey, just in case you need to know, she can sign her termination of rights in 24 hours. Mississippi has a 72-hour termination of rights window. So we get this phone call at Thursday at 1 o'clock, and she says, I just want to see if y'all would be interested in adopting her. It's y'all's paperwork up today. We're, we're kind of freaking out. I'm trying to take a nap, uh, all that sort of stuff. And we began praying, Lord, you know, we thought we were done with adoption. We didn't quite know uh, what you were going to do. But if we did, we thought we might try to adopt a little girl. And so sure enough, we just kept being honest with Chris. She said, look, if she's willing, then, then we're willing. And so here's what happened. And this is just kind of the, the life that I lead. We actually left Florence, Alabama. We drove to Corinth, Mississippi to have lunch. We left Corinth, swung by Women's Hospital in Tupelo, picked up my beautiful girl, Anley, and went home. I mean, who does that, really? 24-hour pregnancy. You know, I almost compared it to like picking out a couch, but it's much more involved than picking out a couch. See, the reason that I tell you with all sincerity that I've seen heaven is because I've seen, I've seen a sacrificial love. I've, I've seen a, a mother place her, her child into our arms. I've seen a mother give us the only thing that she didn't have another of. I'm convinced, according to Galatians chapter 4, that adoption is at the heart of the gospel. And my goal for you and I this morning is that you would see God in his infinite love and that his desire and his love for you is also not only to adoption in physical families, but his goal and his desire is to adopt you into his spiritual family. And when God adopts you into his spiritual family, just like a physical family, everything changes. Would you read me God's word, Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, says this. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. And when the time had come to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Father. 
Look at verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. I remember sitting in the judge's chambers with, with Harrison, we've had from day one, 10 days after his birth, sitting in Tupelo, Mississippi, in the judge's chambers, and, and that judge uh, uh, asking us all sorts of questions like, will you receive him? No, you, do you understand what has happened? Do you understand what you are doing? And we said, yes, we know. To the best of our understandings, we know what we are trying to do. And then he says, on behalf of the United States of America, this child is yours. And at that moment, everything changed. And I want you to notice, according to Galatians chapter 4, there are some things that change. The first thing, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down as well. We talk about the heart of the gospel. When we talk about physical adoption, I want to try to weave in some more of our story as we look at this part here in Galatians chapter 4. The first thing I want you to notice, though, is that God changes our status. That God changes our Status. Now, if you go back to Galatians chapter 4, looking back in verse 3, you begin to notice the reality of what is happening here. The reality of what is happening is the understanding of, of Paul writing to the church of Galatia about this understanding of our dominion uh, and our overwhelmingness to sin. And he says in verse 3 of Galatians chapter 4, you are a slave. That is the status that each one of us have, is this slave to sin. You know the greatest problem that you and I have? It's not trying to fit back into our pants after Thanksgiving meals. The greatest problem that you and I have is this. Is that how can I, as a sinner, be made right in the eyes of a holy God? More than your job, more than, uh, than your recreation, more than anything else you can imagine, the greatest problem that you and I have is how can I, as a sinner, be made right in the eyes of a holy And so in Galatians chapter 4, Paul begins to, to, to show to us this adoption. And what is happening is that God changes our status. We move, watch this, we move from slave to son. Matter of fact, on that very day in June, sitting in Tupelo, Mississippi at uh, Judge Mowski's office, this intimidating judge in the robe, and he began to say, here is now your son. What happened is Harrison moved from a property of the state of Mississippi to a son of Wit and Leanne Lewis. Now he was a number before, and now he has a name. And his name is Son. God changes our status. When adoption happens physically, our status changes. And when adoption happens spiritually, we move again from this dominion of sin and this slave to sin to now being a son of the Father. So how did that happen? Just like in a physical adoption, a few things must happen before an adoption can be made complete. The first thing you'll notice is that adoption requires someone to come at the right time. 
that someone must come at the right time. And some of you have probably been through some, some uh, international adoption that every place has their different rules and different laws that must happen. But at that moment, someone must show up at the right time. Galatians chapter 4 tells us that when the time of completion had come. When the time of completion had come. When the right time, when everything in God's infinite wisdom and infinite glory had come to this moment, Galatians 4 tells us that someone came. Not only was someone required uh, to come at the right time, but the second thing I want you to notice is adoption requires someone who possesses the right qualifications. Someone who possesses the right qualifications. Now you can imagine uh, through our adoption process, we have been poked, we have been prodded, we have been looked at under anywhere in between. We started with a home study for somebody to, to come into our house and to, to actually say, you are worthy. You have the right qualification. The FBI has to check us out. Uh, everyone else has to know everything about us to say, you are deemed worthy. And the Bible says, that Jesus possessed the qualifications. Go back and look with me in Galatians chapter 4. Verse 4 says this. When the time came to completion, watch this, God sent his son. Now, for most of us, we're great with that. But then Paul doesn't just stop there. He gives us some of the qualifying factors. What does he say? The first thing he says is this. God sent his son, watch this, born of a woman. Which gives to the point of you and I this understanding that Jesus being, we know him as 100% God, talk about that in just a moment, but also understanding that Jesus is 100% man. He understands the highs and lows. He understands what you and I have walked through and what you and I have endured. Which is why in Hebrew we have this great priest who understands everything that we're walking through. The Bible said, born of a woman. But not only born of a woman, but also it says... Born of the Spirit. See, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law to redeem those under the law. The adoptions as sons. Here automatically in Galatians chapter 4, we see what John chapter 1 was already telling us. That in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then in John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of his name. Here in Galatians, Jesus prompts to us, I have the qualifications. I am 100% God. I am God's very own son. The DNA of God is in me, but I'm 100% man, born of a woman, born under the law, born under the same restrictions that you and I See, adoption requires someone to come at the right moment. Adoption requires someone to come and have the right qualifications. A third I want you to notice is adoption requires someone who has the right determination. Someone who has the right determination. Any of you ever run a, a marathon in here? Any of you ever run a marathon? Just slip your hand up. We'll see who the crazy folks are in here. I've run three half marathons. I can't get a full one together. Don't want to. You know, here's what you don't do when you're this desire to run a marathon or a half marathon. Or you, know, you don't just wake up and say, you know what, today's a good day for me to go run 26.2 miles. I think today it feels nice. I think I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do that. No, there is a proper 
preparation, hopefully. And you don't just sign up and say, you know, I think I'm going to do this on a whim. There is a commitment that is happening. Now, the Bible tells us that adoption requires someone who has the right determination. This is not some whimsical decision. And you don't go into adoption physically just thinking, you know what, if it works, great, not, you know, whatever. This is a determination factor. Do you have the wherefore to stay the course? The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 4, verse 5, the reason and the right determination. It says that Jesus was born, God's son, born of a woman, watch this, under the law. Why? Well, verse 5 tells us the determination factor is to redeem those under the law. Who is that? Well, that's me and you. That's me and you, that we're born into this sin mindset. The Bible tells us again uh, that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God changes our status. We move from slave to son. But there's a second truth I want you to note. If I'm talking about adoption being the very heart of the God, and it's not man's idea, adoption is all part of God's very own plan. While God changes our status, the second truth I want you to notice is that God changes our family. God changes our Family. And I'm not just talking about just a legal status. I'm not just being able to call Harrison and give him a name Lewis and, and to give Jack Whitten the name Lewis and to give Anley the name Lewis. And if you hadn't picked it up, Anley is just Leanne's name flipped backwards. Leanne and Lee. So just in case you didn't know that. Don't tell anybody else that. That is for, for you guys, all right? God changes our family. Two truths I want you to know about that is number one, he paid a, he paid a price to love you. Any of you that have looked into adoption, and I don't want to get into this too much, but you know adoption is costly. Not only did I mention to you the determination factor of all the, the tests and all the, the, the hoops, so to speak, that you must jump through. It's just the sheer financial cost that's involved. We have people all the time, and it's one of the platforms that, that God has given us is to be able to talk with families and to be able to share about adoption. And the number one question we get is what? How much does it cost? And that's the reality, right? That's the reality of the, the cost of the investment. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for who? You, me. He, he paid a price, if you will. He, he gave the price to love you. But not only did he pay a price to love you, but he continues to pursue you with his love. Now I want you to grasp this, and I want you to understand this as best you can. When, when, when those judges, when they said, they, this is your son, here is Harrison, here is Jack Whitten, here is Anley, and gave that final stamp of approval, nothing else could change that. Now here's what did not happen. I did not take Harrison home or Jack Whitten home or Anley home and say, you know what, guys, here, I, I loved you and I, we, we did all of this for you. Now good luck with the rest of your life. But when I go home a little bit later this afternoon, hopefully they've had a good nap. But when I go home a little bit later this afternoon, I'm going to walk in the door, and they're going to come running, and they're going to say, Daddy. And they're going to give me a big old hug. 
Because see, oftentimes in our Christian mindset, is look, I did this thing one time and God forgave me my sin, but here's the thing you and I need to understand, is that God continues to pursue you each and every day, right now, this moment. I continue to, to lavish love on my, on my sons and my daughter. I continue to, to, to discipline, I continue to, to show them the way, to provide for them. Why? Because of the love of a father. And when you and I, we move from, from slaves, we move from this endearment to sin, to now this identity as a son. And I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but you need to know is that God is constantly pursuing you right now. He's not giving up on you. He's not mad at you. Matter of fact, some of you remember the old TV show, he's mad about you. Just like I continue to pursue my sons and my daughter. God is saying to you, I love you. It wasn't just a one-time thing that I did upon the cross. It wasn't a decision that you may have made at a vacation Bible school or at a church service or riding down the road, but I continue to pursue you. God changes our status. God changes our family. And I'll close with this, is that God changes our future. That God changes our future. Now, obviously, it would be presumptuous of me to stand here and even probably hypocritical and probably even prideful to stand here and, and to, to say that my children have a better life now than what they would have had. We don't know that. So don't hear that at all. But I know they have a different future. I know that a part of God's sovereign plan, their future is with us. Matter of fact, go back and look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. Verse 7 says, so you are no longer a slave, watch this, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. That God has made you an heir. Which reminds us of two things. The first thing I want you to realize is that he promises us a full inheritance. He promises us a full inheritance. One day, Leanne and I went a, took a trip not long ago to London, and before we went to London, we uh, got all of our will and our stuff together and, and uh, uh, essentially began trying to do the best we could, dividing it up. And one day, it won't be much, but one day, my three children will receive an inheritance from their father. And why? Because they're legally ours. They're part of my family. They are my sons and my daughter. And one day, they're going to receive that inheritance. Everything that, that basically was mine now becomes theirs. And the same is true for us, amen? Because you notice in Galatians 4 verse 7, we move from slave to son. And if a son than an heir. 
which means we have the inheritance of the Father. We have the inheritance that is beyond what we can provide ourselves. It is guaranteed. But not only has he promised us a full inheritance, but he prepares for us an eternal home. Prepares for us an eternal home. I love... I love in John chapter 14 when Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he keeps telling them, I'm about to leave you. And they're kind of, you know, they don't understand. They've given up everything to follow Jesus, their, their careers, their families, hoping that Jesus would provide a better way for them. And in John chapter 14, Jesus continues to drive home this, I'm going away. And he talks about, I'm going to, to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, then I will come again and receive you unto myself. And praise the Lord for Thomas, right? For Thomas said, hey, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Are you going down the street? you going to hit the interstate? Where are you going? We need to know. Make sure you leave a callback number. And the beautiful picture that gets all lost. We, we talk about verse 6 all the time, and I love verse 6. For I am the way, the truth, and life. No one from the Father except through me. But have you ever noticed that Jesus personally prepares a place for those of us that are followers? Jesus does not say, well, I'm going to send a decorating team. Jesus does not say, I'm going to go grab some construction guys. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, your home, your eternal place. Everything changed when that judge says they're legally yours. Their status changed. Their family changed. Their future has changed. The reason, again, I'm convinced that adoption is at the heart of the gospel is because man didn't make this up. It's not man's idea. And the same that is true for Harrison and for Jack Whitten and for Anley, physically. So they give their lives to Jesus Christ will be the same that is true for their lives spiritually. It's available for you too, church. It's available for you that today, this moment, that you and I can move from a slave to a son or a daughter. Your status can change. The same is very true, is that not only this slave of the status from some slave to son and daughter, but also the future, your family. That God continues to pursue you, that God continues to adore you and I. And don't ever let that get comfortable to us. Just when I go home, I'm going to love those strings, pick them up, and I'm going to kiss them, and I'm going to hug them, and I'm going to say, what did you do? Did you help Mama? And we're going to provide as best we can for them. And God does for you. But also what is available for you this morning is not only a status change, not only a family change, but a future change. Because when you and I become sons, it says we become heirs. We receive the inheritance, but we receive the eternal home. And I know that 
It's easy to kind of come in and say, well, we're preaching. We hadn't, we hadn't seen him in a while. It's been several years. And they just say, hey, the, the, the preacher's not here. But let me let you know today that the same gospel that is offered every Sunday is the same gospel that's offered today. And that God desperately desires to adopt you. It was not our first choice, but I wouldn't change it for anything. And this morning, God desperately desires to adopt you, to give you a new status, to give you a new family, and to give you, church, a new future. Would you let him? Would you be so bold to say, Lord... Done the religious stuff. Lord, I don't know if I have a relationship. Two weeks ago in my office, I had a 62 year old lady. I had a 62 year old lady had come into my office and, and we were sitting down, a member of our church, been very involved in our church for years upon years upon years upon years, seeking counsel. And as she was talking, the Holy Spirit just impressed upon my heart. Ask her if she has a relationship. Here's this sweet sister that I've known, and I've seen work within the church. I said, Miss Anita, I've noticed that you said a lot about religion, but you've not said anything about a relationship. Has there ever been a time in your life when you surrendered your life to Jesus? She tried to hem haw around and she tried to, and then all of a sudden she got to this point and she said, No. And at that moment, I watched this 62 year old lady that had served every function of the church move from a slave to a daughter. The same is true for you, the same is available for you. Because adoption at the heart of the gospel. Father, I pray that your word would ring true in our hearts today. And God, I pray that you would have total freedom. God, I pray. God, I want to praise you. I want to praise you that there are three children that carry a Lewis name that do not have my DNA, but they have my inheritance. Father, that you change their status, you change their family. And Father, you change their future. But God, even more important than that, I'm praying that one day these three children of mine that carry my name will one day carry your glory. Father, there are those here today that have done religious and they've, they, they're slaves to sin, they're slaves to the... <laughs> the mechanisms, if you will, of society. But have never had their status changed. God, I'm praying that your power and your spirit would give evidence, give hope, Father, and give boldness. And I'm praying that your will be done. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Let me just ask you before you raise your head, and Evan's going to come, I want to encourage you this morning I want to encourage you this morning that whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, you would take that next step. 
In our church, we're always constantly encouraging people to take the next step. And you say, well, preacher, what is that? Well, maybe for you, the next step is you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And the next step for you would be to say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. But God, you died for sinners just like me. Thank you for your grace. And I give you my life, my heart, my all. The next step for some of you is surrendering to Jesus. Maybe the next step for you may not be surrendering to Jesus, but it may be surrendering to what God wants to do in your life. I remember when God was calling me to, to ministry, I ran for a year because it was uncomfortable. I, I didn't want to be a, a church minister. But I praise God that I surrendered. And I've seen his faithfulness day in and day out. Maybe for some of you, as you've been running from the Lord for some reason, and he continues to pursue you, and the next step for you would be to stop and let him rest in his grace and his mercy that's available to you. Maybe for some of you, the next step would be church membership, maybe more involvement, whatever the Holy Spirit's leading. I pray that you would take that next step right now for your good, for his glory. God, we give you this time to pray for your obedience. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.